Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and Kevin L. Jackson with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Kevin, how are we doing today? Good morning, good morning, or afternoon, I guess. But uh, I had a um, um, shocking event last night okay you know i was i was i was sitting looking at tv and enjoying myself and i I, all of a sudden i got a chill and i I went upstairs and i put on a sweat uh um shirt okay and and i said no something's gone (laughs) (laughs) you know what i am thankful I am thankful. So I, as I hear that anecdote, I am ready for football weather and chilly weather and, you know, a good uh, morning, 30 degree. Uh, we don't get those often in Georgia. You get them often, <laughs> more often than we do, Kevin. But I love that. And welcome back, Kevin. Always a pleasure to have you on the second Monday uh, of every month. And so today. Well, before you go. Okay. The Washington Commanders, 20 to 16 over the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> The Just commanders, <laughs> the commanders. I'm getting, I'm still getting used to that. One and oh, one and oh. It's kind of like uh, we're undefeated. Kevin, it's kind of like the Falcons. You know, Falcons won over the weekend, and uh, you know, uh, the Falcons may go one and sixteen, but at least we won the first one, right? You gotta, you gotta grab the opportunity while it's there, man. You got to celebrate every single win, big or small. But folks, hey, today it is a special edition of the Supply Chain Buzz. It's the Digital Transformers edition of the Buzz. So as always, on the second Monday of each month, we're discussing a variety of news and developments across uh, global business with an extra helping of all things technology today, as I'm always joined by the one and only Kevin L. Jackson. And Kevin, we've got a special guest today, don't we? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I want to first want to say I appreciate you uh, bringing me on the show the second uh, Monday. I really enjoy uh, coming with you. And and yes, uh, and a old friend of mine is going to be on the show today. <laughs> well, you know what? Any friend of Kevin's is should be a friend of anyone's. But hey, we've got a repeat guest coming back, a mover and shaker, Theodore Lau with Unconventional Ventures. She's going to be joining us about 1225 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so stick around for that. We're going to be talking uh, about generative AI. We're going to be talking about uh, the future of work. And we're going to be finding out why she believes, Kevin, mm-hmm. that we've got to 86 this word fintech. We've got to 86 <laughs> this word fintech. But hey, uh, we want, as always, Kevin and I both want to hear from you. So we see some folks, some, some dear friends already in the comments. We're going to be recognizing them uh, throughout the hour. And hey, if you're listening to this uh, via podcast replay, which we usually publish on Fridays, you ought to consider joining us live on LinkedIn, YouTube, or some other social media channel if you're choosing when we go live on Mondays, every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. Okay, Kevin, let's say hello to a few folks, mm-hmm. and then we'll hit a few announcements. And then, Kevin, we're going to start on a, a much more somber note. Of course, today, we remember September 11th, uh, hard to believe, 22 years ago. And I'm going to pick your brain about where you were on this morning uh, in just a minute. But uh, let's say hello to a few folks on a lighter note. Uh, Annie, great to see you here via LinkedIn. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hazem, uh, via Facebook, uh, good day to you as well. Josh is also giving us a weather report. Cloudy and 60 degrees up in Seattle, Kevin. <laughs> oh, wow. Say hi to my son. He's over in uh, Federal Way. Okay. All right. Federal Way. Uh, let's see. Mom, Leah Luton. Uh, the pride of Aiken, South Carolina, is with us once again. Hello, Mom. Love you. Korai Kose, the one and only. Look at that headshot. That is Hollywood, it Kevin. Is sharp, sharp. Uh, and it's warm and sunny in Germany, where Korai is for a few more weeks, <laughs> I believe. Uh, Robert Valdez via LinkedIn from sunny Caribbean, Dominican Republic. All right. Tune back in from Wisconsin. Greg, great to see you as always. Annie was in Toronto. Jurgen. Uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Lurg. Hey, T-Squared uh, is back with us uh, from the Baltimore area, Kevin. Oh, yeah. Right up the road. Hey, um, 
bring in some more chairs. There's people still coming in. <laughs> That's right. People are still still coming in. <laughs> um, all right. So let's do this, Kev. Welcome, everybody. No, we didn't hit anybody. Welcome, welcome. We've got a big show here today between uh, some of the news we're going to be tackling, as well as our wonderful guest, uh, Theo, who's going to be joining us here in about 20 minutes. Um, okay. So, Kevin, as always, you know, we like to share resources with folks. Uh, it's a, it's tough out there trying to get ahead, uh, being individually successful as, as well as leading, you know, success and uh, the day in and day out for your organization. So we're going to start with our popular With That Said newsletter, which dropped over the weekend. Now, Kevin, I got to ask you, did you have lunchbox? I, I don't know. I remember a lot of uh, brown paper bags. <laughs> <laughs> I had those two. I had those two. But I'll tell you this, uh, and y'all check out with that said, there's a lot of uh, uh, fun fact toys, but also tons of perspectives from around global business and opportunities you want to want to check out. But I will tell you, this Night Rider lunchbox, when I saw this on, on Google somewhere, I had forgotten I had the same lunchbox in 1983, oh, wow. Kevin. Okay. And mom can verify that. Mom, I think <laughs> in the comments, <laughs> please don't call me off my memory. She did. It, no, it, you yeah. didn't have that. You had Barney. <laughs> uh, that's right. Uh, that was lit. I wish I was that young, Kevin. Um, also, really quick, in resources, we've got an outstanding one of our newest webinars that we just um, uh, published October 5th, right around the corner. We're going to be focused in on five steps to getting proactive with digitization and supply chain data with our friends at Treehouse Foods and Trace Gains. Y'all check that out, and we'd love to have y'all join us for that session. So, Kevin, yes. uh, I, you know, in the green room, before we went live here, I was sharing, well, we were as a team, you know, having a good time and, and, and exchanging pleasantries and whatnot and what we did over the weekend. I also was talking about how I, I find today, September 11th, to be one of the most challenging days to create content, to mm -hmm. do anything but, you know, really reflect back on where we were 22 years ago and where we've been since and, and, you know, all those that lost loved ones on that horrible day and, and all the conflict since. Um, yeah. but Kevin, take us back. Where, where were you that morning? You're, you're right. It, it really, uh, touched everyone, but it was a, it's a personal story for everyone and, and, and mm. me as well. I mean, I, on the morning of 9-11, I had just gotten off a flight. I was in San Diego, just landed, took off from LaGuardia Airport in, in mm. New York. And I, you know, got off. I went and got my rental car. I uh, went to the hotel, checked in, went up to my room, and I sort of you know, you sort of sit at the end of the bed and turn on and see what's going on in the news. And I saw the first plane hit the um, the tower. Mm. Um, and it was stunning, right? You know, you thought, well, wow, horrible accident. You know, how did that ever happen? So you, mm. you're sitting there and then the, then the you know, uh, the second plane and you're, you're just stunned. I sat there for, oh, 40 45 minutes and and uh then it then it hit me i had to get back home mm. and I, I spent the next 36 hours just trying to get back home wow um drive i actually had a rental car so i um i jumped in the car and i uh I drove <laughs> i first was on the phone trying to get a flight you know right. no flights or anything but <laughs> Uh, surprisingly enough, I got a flight out of Dallas, Texas, and I had 21 hours to get to Dallas to catch that flight. And I wow. got in the car, drove all night, got to Dallas, went up to the uh, the um, uh, uh, counter there, and they said, "Oh, sorry, sir, they just canceled your flight." You know, and I just despondent, turned around, walked mm -hmm. away, and I was walking away and said, "Yeah." Sir, sir, Mr. Jackson, uh, can you will you mind going through St. Louis? I said, sure. And I got on a flight from uh Dallas Fort Worth to St. Louis into uh Washington, Dallas. One of the last flights uh that day. Before That's, they locked everything down, right? Before they locked everything down. 
Wow. Um, and, you know, a lot of folks may or may not know uh, Kevin uh, is a fellow veteran. He served in the Navy, and he was also a av- uh, naval aviator uh, in the Navy. Um, you know, when I think about that morning, uh, Kevin, now I was in Wichita, Kansas at, at McConnell Air Force Base, and uh, we had, you know, we were an hour behind Eastern time, and I'd gotten, I'd signed up for these CNN.com email alerts. And much like you were describing when that first plane hit, there was uh, a CNN email, and the headline was small plane hits the World Trade Center. Or, and I, I immediately thought it was a Cessna or small, you know, single yeah. engine or something, and didn't really think too much about it. And then, of course, as you point out, and as, as the world knows, when when the second plane hit, you knew this was no accident, and then things went um, just got more painful uh, from that that moment. And you know, um, last thought. Because we get, you know, we want to, we want to uh, change thoughts, and we got a lot of news and a great conversation to get to here today. But you know, today mm-hmm. it, it, we do all remember, and we will never forget that day. We owe it to all those folks that uh, experienced tremendous loss on the day of September 11, two thousand one, and in all the conflict ever since that day. Tons and tons of families that um, you know are mourning uh, ever since. So, um, but you know what, Kevin? One last thought. You look around the room, and maybe you can relate this. Uh, uh, you know, being a, uh, a fellow veteran, yeah. As as wonderful as a family we've got here today, you know, for two years I, I spent a lot of time with that Air Force family of mine. And man, if few things in my entire life brought our mission and clear focus and strengthened those bonds, and we had each other's back, and you know, Bruce Gillen, Troy Boozer. Uh, Highland Wong, uh, Ryan Benner. I can remember so many. Claude Dalway, uh, so many folks that really took care of each other. As as you know, you were talking about the lockdown across the country. Right. Well, base operations changed. They shut down dorms because they they really there was tons of rumors what may be hit next and where the the, the softer uh, targets were. Yeah. yeah. And so our lives as airmen, uh, lowly enlisted airmen, uh, changed dramatically. And I, I'm um, very thankful of that family that got us through those 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 challenging times your last word kevin before we we move along well i think that's the word family um we we have family far and wide and, and, and close and near and dear never underappreciate your family mm, that's right that's right and uh never again hopefully never never again and of course never ever ever forget so um all right so moving right along on a much, much lighter note, uh, again, we come at you every Monday, uh, the Supply Chain Buzz, uh, 12 in the Eastern Time, where we cover some of the bigger stories and developments across the world of supply chain. But today, it's the Digital Transformers edition, and we talk at all things technology and then some. And that's where we want to go next, uh, Kevin. Yes, sounds we'll good. Get, get into our, our first <laughs> development here, I'll tell you. Um, so uh, in our first story, it's really some good news. What does AI, what is artificial intelligence already doing well, perhaps, in supply mm-hmm. chain management from our friends over at CIO? Uh, and here we're mainly referring, Kevin, to forecasting and inspecting, right? But tell us more. So, you know, artificial intelligence is not something for future supply chain executives to leverage. It is out there working hard today. The current generation of AI is already very good at two things you need to do when it comes to supply chain management. Uh, The first is forecasting, where AI is used to make predictions about downstream demand or upstream shortages. An example is Amcor, a $15 billion packaging company. In fact, it's the largest packaging company in the world. And they use AI to predict price changes. So it can buy more at lower prices before a hike or less if it looks like a drop is on the horizon. You know, if it gets hot, people start drinking a lot of Gatorade. You want to get it out there. So most of their market is in food and healthcare packaging, where knowing the consumer's mood that day can mean millions of dollars in profit, or loss. Mm. Uh, The second is inspection, where AI is used to spot problems in manufacturing. These algorithms can also detect one or more events they recognize as precursory to failures. 
and then warn assembly line operators before production quality falls short. Uh, mm -hmm. It can also be used to certify materials and components and, and track them through the entire supply chain. In fact, AI is being used at Intel to improve their microprocessor chip yields. Since several chips are printed on a single wafer using lithography, there is a difference in the power performance profile between those near the center of the wafer and those on the outer edges. Mm -hmm. So the company uses a predetermined quality threshold to determine whether a chip should be kept or thrown out. But there's more to come. The biggest impact is going to be on supply chain optimization. So because when supply chains are tailored to specific customer needs, the current generation of AI can optimize these chains and even tailor them to deliver the right product to the right consumer at the right price and the right time. Mm. But, but doing this requires a level of data sharing that very few companies are ready for today. What's really missing are techniques that allow organizations to share some part of their data in full confidence that they haven't given away too much. So mm. the technology is here. Blockchain or digital ledger technology can do that. But we're still about five or 10 years away from seeing mass adoption of blockchain in the supply chain industry. Mm. Okay, Kevin, man, you have uh, really jumped out of the <laughs> gate. A lot of stuff there. I want to I go back, though, as someone that has led about 15 years ago, led mm -hmm. a very manual tracing operation yeah, manually tracing with yeah. paperwork and stuff and trying to separate, you know, what should be um, uh, confined and from, from all the other parts. <laughs> oh, that was painful. I, I wish I had AI about 15 years ago, but, um, of course, to your point, AI technology, it's, it's nothing new, right? right. It, we're hearing a lot more about it and CEOs are talking more about it, but, um, generative AI, according to many, presents a new massive opportunity that businesses are tapping into. We'll touch more on this also when uh, Theo joins us. But, mm -hmm. you know, I saw a, uh, a CNNBC interview not too long ago, uh, Kevin, that quoted Navneet Kapoor, Chief Technology and Inf Information Officer at Maersk, uh -huh. um, who said, quote, generative AI, in my mind, is a once-in-a-lifetime kind of disruption that's going to happen. So there are going to be losses of jobs in the more traditional setting, but I also believe uh, Navneet continued to say, it's mm -hmm. going to create new jobs that every prior technology disruption yes. has, end quote. I wholeheartedly believe that. Would, would you agree with that as well, Kevin? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, generative AI is opening the minds of the humans, giving them more vision, more uh, letting their imaginations uh, fly showing the, you know, as they say, the art of the possible. And this is right. critical. Well, and, you know, one other thing, before you start to roll your eyes, some of you out there, <laughs> at hearing generative AI, I'll just tell you, Greg and I, Greg White, who's on assignment today, maybe, uh, hope you're doing well, Greg. Uh, he and I spoke with one chief supply chain officer uh, at a retail giant last week mm. that was leveraging Gen AI to find massive freight and sourcing opportunities amongst all of its products. And we're talking about in a matter of days. Yeah. This project, uh, according to them, that would have taken a big consulting firm, an army of consultants, six months and a lot of big invoices to do. So folks are, are jumping on this opportunity with big outcomes already. Um, Kevin, your last thought before we move right along to the second, uh, our second article. Don't be afraid of AI. AI is a tool that you can use to do your work better and to improve our society. It's mm. not the Terminator. So <laughs> it's not the Terminator. All right. T-shirtism. It is not the Terminator. Uh, all right. A lot of good stuff there. And that's, that's a lot of the good news. Now, it every opportunity comes with challenges, right? It can't yes. be too easy. So in our second story here, we're about to get Kevin to, to, to chime in on. From our friends over at Supply Chain Digital, we examine how a poor tech strategy can um, undermine supply chain transformation, especially when organizational objectives aren't aligned. Kevin, tell us more. 
Yeah. You know, the reason we have this show every month is because everyone seems to want to do digital transformation. <laughs> but, you know, but a mismatch between the technology initiatives and the business goals often is the main reason why these initiatives fail. According to Deloitte, 70% of digital transformations result in failure. And, and even when organizations succeed, it can take them years before they are ready to compete in the digital market. This is because they don't really understand the power of data. Mm. The first step in any transformation is identifying the specific business challenges and the pain points they want to address. The second step is involving stakeholders from all the different organizational departments in the, in the digital transformation process. And they have to identify what data is required to gain the needed insight into the business process or the business challenge. Only then can a discussion about specific technologies begin. Mm. 70% of companies don't have any data strategy in place, which this makes it really difficult, if not impossible, to access real-time data and ensure accuracy. Uh, this, is, this is why supply chain companies need to set standards and principles regarding how they will collect, manage, and analyze data first if mm. they want the digital transformation initiatives to be successful. Well said, Kev. We could, we could do six hours, maybe 60 <laughs> hours of content around this item because I want to go back to something that, uh, let's see here, Muhammad, great to have you here today, Muhammad, says, uh, he says, digital transformation is an old topic in supply chain. Now we need to look on AI integration with supply chain. I would argue, I wouldn't disagree. It's, it's certainly an old topic, but Kevin, yes. so many organizations, per what you're just sharing, get digital transformation wrong because they start with a technology instead of what we're trying to do as a business. Your thoughts, yes, Kevin? Absolutely. It's all about understanding your business process and applying digitalization to that process. And that means understanding the data, what data you have, how you use the data, why you use the data, and how the data relates to your own organizational goals. That's what that's what AI can do, mm. it, its power is to, you know, go through all that data and glean from that data insights to improve your business process. Yes. Well said, Kevin. And, you know, uh, Greg, if I've heard him say it once, I've heard him say it a million times, uh, you know, for many leaders, digital mm -hmm. transformation is like, it's like finding that hammer. And then running around trying to find a nail. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. It's so apropos. Now, Jurgen says, you say it, Kevin. It's the infrastructure. <laughs> Everybody's talking about digitization, but have they thought about the fitting infrastructure? Mostly no, Jurgen. Well said. Great to have you here today. Um, okay. So, uh, Kevin, a lot of good stuff. There, there's so much. You know, going back to what Muhammad said, I'm, I'm with you. We've heard so many, so much about so many of these topics but the problem, the reason why they keep coming back is because so many business leaders and organizations are still struggling with them years and years later. So uh, stay tuned. A lot more to come on that. Everybody thinks there's a magic button, right? Press the right. magic button and it works. There is no <laughs> magic button. <laughs> we were we were spoiled. Whomever. I can't remember the company that had the easy button commercials. Was oh, that yeah. Staples. Staples. Yes. Thank you, Staples, <laughs> for reinforcing that easy button uh, thinking there. Um, okay. Again, resources, folks. We're all about, uh, we're about to welcome on our outstanding, our incredible uh, featured guests here in just a minute. So stay tuned. But really quick, want to share a couple of resources with folks. You know, Kevin, you know that uh, one of our big missions here is to make life easier for all our the practitioners and supply chain pros, business pros out there. So, folks, we got two events coming up: live webinars, September twenty first. 
We're welcoming in Luke, Pat, and Bart. We're talking about unlocking the power of diversification and last mile delivery. Talk about things we've heard about for since the beginning of time, but still yes. trying to get right with last mile delivery. Right, Kevin? Right, absolutely. <laughs> we got it. It's that easy button for last mile delivery. <laughs> Man, I, we're all looking for that. Uh, September 21st, 12 in the Eastern time. Y'all join us for that event. And then on the 26th, uh, we w- join in, uh, welcome in our friends from Supply Pike. Folks, if you do business with Walmart, you know how challenging it can be. But I would argue you, you find success working with Walmart. You can apply those lessons learned and, and, and techniques and you name it to across your portfolio of customers. So join yeah. us on the 26th for three proven strategies to level up your business with Walmart. And Kevin, if you can do business successfully with titans of industry like Walmart, I bet you're going to be pretty good at working with everyone else. Wouldn't you agree? I, absolutely. If you can make those Walmart aliens happy, you can do anything. <laughs> I, I got a new word. New word, Walmart, Walmartians. 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 Um, all right. Well, folks, uh, thanks for being with us so far through the first half of the supply chain buzz here. Um, we have a real uh, special guest. is Kevin uh, called Theo, a longtime friend. Well, it makes two of us. Uh, we really enjoyed uh, Theo being a part of a variety of shows, including a really fun live stream on This Week in Business History. So I want to welcome in our special guest today, Theodore Lau, founder of Unconventional Ventures, as well as a public speaker, popular author, advisor, and host of One Vision Podcast. Theo, good morning, good afternoon. How you doing? Hello. Thank you for having me, guys. Theo, it's, it's so neat to have you back. We really enjoyed, um, of course, I've got Beyond Good, your first book, and then we've got your second book we're going to talk about here in a minute. You and Kevin, I tell you, prolific authors, and that's just part of all the stuff they are up to. But um, Theo, on a uh, on a poignant note, um, you know, just as we were talking a minute ago before we got into the news, you know, September 11, 2001, hard to believe is 22 years ago. Uh, but Theo, I'd like to ask you where you were uh, that morning 22 years ago. I remember um, I was traveling just like you, just like you too. I was mm. actually in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, I, I still remember I was a, before my current life, I've spent 15 years in Toko. So that that's the backdrop. So I was with Williams Communications at Tulsa. And I remember I was in a hotel lobby with my team. And uh, we came down from breakfast. And I saw on on, on CNN the, the, uh, news and it showed plane a plane crashing and we didn't think much of it because the the volume was mute we just looked and was like oh you know maybe it's a new movie or something we walked into the office across the street we just sat down and the next thing you know everyone's phone was ringing off the hook Mm. um and that was when we learned the news so we all wrapped up and left right away i was there with another engineer and we we took the rental car that we had and drove straight from tulsa back to dc it was wow the longest 24-hour drive of our lives i still remember going into the walmart right there and uh getting you know some supplies water and, and whatnot and uh that was the first time in my life that i saw guns they were mm. selling guns in the store of course i i i didn't know um mm. <laughs> and um and people were picking up guns and ammunition i'm like it, it just it had this sinking feeling and then my parents were in dc um at that time and of course you know that none of the cell phones went through it was a gruesome drive and i mm-hmm. the two things i remember was um the sky was really blue you didn't see trails of anything mm-hmm. because all the planes mm-hmm. were grounded um the second thing i thought was i it was scary it was scary the unknown was very scary um but that was also the time I remember we were rolling out a new platform for, for Williams and people were genuinely nice and concerned. And we put down a lot of our differences at that time because the, the project was in a very rocky path. And we saw the human side um, mm. from this unfortunate incident. So that was that. Well, Theo, thank you for sharing. And I, I really appreciate your reflections there. And, you know, um, Kevin, going back to your where you yeah. were and then, and then hearing from Theo where she was, you know, uh, one of the things I remembered is just I could not get enough information about what was going on. And I think that's when the crawler, the, the scroller, 
Uh, yeah. You know, all the headline news started rolling those out because as one story was going, you get updates from from the thousand other stories. The hunger for real information you could depend on and, and trust was such um, that was in the forefront of my mind. Kevin, your quick response to what Theo just shared about where she was. You know, um, the importance of that information, and unfortunately, maybe we are losing our ability to trust the information we see on TV. And that's scary because you're right. At that time, we were dependent upon, you know, what they told us on the news, where to go, what was happening. And we we had a belief that they were telling us the truth. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, things have changed and we can't believe everything that comes across the news. Mm. But, um, you know, that that information is, is still critical and important uh, to, to our lives. Yes, agreed. Uh, trust and trust. Trust is going to be a big theme, I think, throughout uh, the second uh, half of today's show. Uh, so, Theo, thanks again for being here and and taking a break from your world tour, which we're going to touch on in just a second. Thank you for sharing uh, your personal journey from 22 years ago. And as Jurgen says, on a much, much lighter note, Jurgen, like the rest of us, loves your background. Uh, Theodore and I'm I'm with I'm the, from the Lego sets to the pictures. I bet you get comments all the time, Theo. It's a um, that's how you break the ice, right? You, I, I, <laughs> do you remember like what three three and a half years ago now? Oh my God, time's flying. Um, that we were all at home, right? And just yeah. that was the moment that we were allowed to show our authentic self, our real self, mm. the fact that, oh, you have a pet at home, the fact that, oh, wait, you have children at home. Of course we do. Um, so <laughs> it, it's a part of, there's another side of all of us that we didn't see when we're always on the road. And um, this is the other part. I love F1. I love Legos. I love Star Wars. <laughs> so you're a real person. I am a real person. I don't know. Maybe I'm a digital twin. You didn't know that, Kevin. It's, digital twin. It's yes. been a few uh, years since we met. So yes. you know, we need to fix that. You're down the street. I don't know what happened. Right down the street. Yeah, right up the street from us. <laughs> yeah. Well, we need to, yes. Let's all meet at Joe's Seafood, uh, Kevin. Uh, you and me and Theo and have uh, the meal of our lives like uh, Kevin do. and I had uh, a month or two ago. Um, all right. So moving right along, we got to get into a lot with Theo and Kevin in the second half of the show. I want to start, uh, Theo, with what we were talking about uh, with our first, well, really through the first half, mm -hmm. generative AI, mm. gen AI. Man, if folks have heard that probably a thousand times a day, some folks get it, are, are putting it into place. Other folks are on the other side of the spectrum, perhaps, are scared to death and don't know where to start. Uh, your thoughts, Theo, when it comes to generative AI? Two thoughts. One is I like the optimism. Uh, Kevin, that you shared, I, I endowed, I think that it does a lot of things to productivity, but I have a different point of view. Um, and, and what you two just said about trust, it is so true. Um, yeah. Right before the summer, I did a keynote in London. The whole topic was about generative AI and trust and banking. And when you cannot trust what you see and you know, you can no longer trust what you hear, what does that do? To our society, our society is based on trust. Financial services industry is based on trust. When you have technology that can clone your voice in three seconds, mm. Mm. what does that do to not just security, but what else? Just like what you were saying, right? You know, you see something on yeah. TV. Is that true? Is that not true? You see videos that, you know, could showcase politicians saying something, but is that right or is it not right? When your, when your brain constantly goes through this exercise of delting, I, I do worry what future do we have? And of course, you know, not to mention in the United States, I think we're a tad behind from a regulation perspective is like free for all. You have big technology company that's rolling out all kinds of things. And with the caveat, by the way, it's not ready. What well, guess what? <laughs> you let the genie out of the bottle. It's too late now, isn't it? By yeah. saying that disclaimer, you cannot absorb yourself from all the problems and challenges that we have, of course, we need to innovate. Of course, we need to use new technology. Of course, we need to find ways to help us do our work better for many, many reasons. But that does not absorb you from responsibility and accountability. Mm. Right. One, one of the things that, that kind of hit me is the first time I had, I saw a deep fake of myself. 
Really? <laughs> it became scary, right? Oh, my God. Real. <laughs> That's scary, right? Kevin? I mean, like, because we just don't know what's out there, right? And, and yeah. you know, right before the show, and I, I, I was chatting with Scott. For those of us who write, we write so much and everything is out on the Internet. You have a crawler that's crawling everything. I don't know what's happening to the things I've generated or to the artists that's created so many things, right? Where yes. do they stand? Mm. It's just, it's a little bit different from the way I used to think about AI growing up because I grew up in Asia. And oftentimes when we think about robots, we think about future. We think of that as being a very collaborative and helpful. We always have helpful robots. Kids love robots. I love robots. And then I moved to the States ooh, 30 something years ago. I'm dating myself. And <laughs> I see everything as about Terminator, like what you were saying. It, it's all about, you know, the robot's going to take over the world, it's going to take over humankind. And whoa, wait, what happened to the nice, friendly robot? The nice robots. Right? What happened to R2? <laughs> Give me R2 back. <laughs> All right, I got to weigh in here, Kevin, and <laughs> you and Theo are having too much fun. Um, I, I want to Theo, if you could, I, it's interesting because we are kind of talking about as there is with any opportunity. There's all sorts of different angles and things you got to consider and dynamics, and what's good for one person or one organization is not necessarily you know a good fit or good for right. someone else. And Theo, you were talking about in uh, the green room, I'll tell you, we're going to start, start recording the green room conversations, but you were talking about those consequential moments when AI gets something wrong yeah, and, and how that really ups the ante and, and the impact uh, that can have when, you know, if we can't contain and control that, your quick thoughts of what you were sharing, Theo. It's that, that's uh, one thing I think we tend to look at technology with a very broad stroke. And we forgot the fact that, you know, it can be one thing when, you know, I use ChatGPT and it brings up some mm -hmm. silly hallucination of me. I remember half a year ago and I did that. It said, I have a master of economics from Columbia. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is cool. I had a master, but not economics and definitely not Columbia. That would have been nice. I want to add that to my resume. So that's <laughs> like silly, silly mistake. Um, but then is. And other thing, when you create all kinds of challenges to, from a personal perspective, what we were sharing um, was about a mental health issue and challenge with a um, eating disorder website. And what they did was they replaced the human, um, I don't even know what, what they call them, the, the human representatives. Yeah, yeah, something like that. That was, there was a technical name for it. The, the human behind the screen. Right. Instead of having that person chatting with someone that was submitting Curie, they actually have a bot. And that bot recommended that visitor to go on a diet. Now, imagine if wow. there's a person in distress that needs help, that's going to your site looking for help with eating disorder challenges, and you tell them to get on the diet. Wow. The, the repercussions are, are severe. Or think about it from money perspective, financial services, wealth mm. management, you give the wrong advice, that can be much heavier impact to someone's financial future than just a silly joke or recommending a wrong book or something. So, you know, what you're illustrating, at least part of it to me, and Kevin, I'll give you the final word here in a second right. before we move on, is uh, empathy. Empathy. Humans, thankfully, have cornered the market when it comes to empathy. And so when I hear about that, Theo, that response on that, on that, um, that site, eating disorder site, you know, they're trying to get the, the bot or the automation was trying to give an answer or a solution, but they're missing that context, missing that empathy. And that is so important in almost any uh, conversation or situation. Kevin, your thought, your final word here. So last week into it launched their new AI powered virtual assistant. And this company invested at least $20 billion wow. into Goodness. creating this, this capability. And, you know, the audience may not know, Intuit bought MailChimp, right? And Intuit is like one of the largest, if not the largest, business financial services company in the world. They made uh, really, uh, when it comes to doing your taxes, TurboTax, that's like number one. So that's 
personal tax recommendation. And they're blending this all together to be, become the leader in both business and uh, personal finances. Isn't that scary? Uh, you know what? <laughs> it is scary. And Kevin and Theo, if I can, uh, for those Star Wars fans out there, if you remember how bad the stormtroopers' accuracy is, <laughs> you don't want to get financial advice from folks with, with accuracy that bad, right? Of course, we're having a little bit of fun. But really, kidding aside, these poses some some really big consequential um, failures and, and outcomes. So we got to yeah. really be careful about um, picking and choosing our spots here. And you may not know, are you talking to, is it human or is it AI? Well, you know, Kevin, I, I want to see that video of you that you mentioned earlier. <laughs> I got to see that. Um, all right. So Thea, let's get back uh, to the second thing we want to ask you about. Um, there's so much uh, that, that organizations come to you and, and seek your expertise on, but technology's impact on what, on work and the future of work. Paint us that vision, Theo. Mm, what I like to see versus what companies are doing. That's very different. <laughs> <laughs> what, should, what should folks know? What should folks here know, maybe? I'm hearing a lot of executives say that they want to use AI to reduce the headcount, but of course they don't say that. They say they use AI to improve efficiency, but because of that, they will stop hiring or they will be trimming workforce. Now, mm. I have no problem, again, let me restate, using technology to improve efficiency, but that's not where the story stops because we know the society is constantly changing. We know how we run businesses constantly changing. Right. We know that you need to move people around, but what do you do with them after, right? That, and that's the part of the story we don't get to hear are you reskilling? Are you upskilling them? Are you providing them with different opportunities so they can thrive somewhere else? Because people are not just resources you use and toss, which sadly, it feels like that's what it is right now. Mm. So that's my one feedback. The other one is there's a lot of pull and tech in the US about whether or not you need to go back to the office or you know you can work remote. Yeah, yeah. I used to do two-hour each-way commutes, Kevin. That from my house is 20 miles to downtown, but it's two hours each way every day, four yeah. hours round wow. trip. And mm. it was painful because I miss out a lot of my kids' times. You know, in the morning yeah. they have breakfast. I already had to leave at night when I come back, they're already sleeping. And not to mention, I got really, really grumpy every morning when I got to the office. I feel like I just went through a battle. And mm. so there are upside to having people having the flexibility to work where it works for them. But then the flip side of that is, yeah. what about the younger generations? What about people that are just starting to work? They need that water cooler conversations. They need that interaction in person. They need to that, right? To build yeah. a network, to say, hey, let's grab a coffee. And a lot of conversations happen, happen over coffee time. So I feel like we're still swinging right now. Um, I hope that one day we can settle on what we work for both people and companies. But I feel mm. like we have ways to go. Mm. All right, Theo, uh, uh, swinging and missing, I think a lot of us are doing here lately. It feels like, Kevin, comment on that. Uh, first off, I, I've, I've complained about my Atlanta commute from time to time, but two hours, one way, that far beats some of my worst days. So, uh, Theo, I can defend. <laughs> that, that gives me a lot of pain. But, Kevin, talk about that. Uh, technology's impact on work, the remote uh, in-office balance, what the future yeah, of work yeah, may look yeah. like. So, I mean, um, I started uh, working from home uh, back in uh, 2008, right? And never looked back. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the, the freedom. I really enjoyed the um, ability to do what I want to do and what I enjoy doing. But as uh, Theo was talking about, but, you know, I've already established my network. I was able to leverage that network. If I'm at the beginning of my career, I need to learn how to work with people, how to build relationships, how to be a human uh, within a, a business environment. So um, you, you need to keep both of those. You need to keep that water cooler, but you still need to have that flexibility. So um, just like just like most things in life, um, it's uh, moderation. That's right. Uh, whether it's 
whether it's uh, remote or in-person work or right. a nice wine that they have, <laughs> right? And, no no and, moderation in wine. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if anyone uh, uh, fully leaning into this, but uh, if anyone's caught her previous appearances uh, with us here, uh, Theo, like Kevin and I both are, we love, uh, we love wine. So, uh, but Theo, uh, your quick comment there on what Kevin said, and then I want to move to this third topic here that I can't wait to get your take. Mm. It's grape juice, by the way. Adult grape juice. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they all say. <laughs> I have to have my vice. That's my vice. Um, so I, I, I agree with you, Kevin. I, I think what's been really fascinating to see is the companies that are leaning into will give the flexibility, will meet you halfway. For example, mm-hmm. establishing a day. Um, twice a month that people will actually meet in the office to create that, you know, chance encounter, yeah. if you will, and interaction, and then allow people to work somewhere else. And then there's the full swing of the other big company, which we will not name, that said, well, you are going to come back to the office. And by the way, these are the only offices that we will allow you to consider as headquarters. Never mind that we spent millions and millions building out some other headquarters um, over by Northern Virginia, close by the airport. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I know that company well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're not going to name names here, but but so it's it's fascinating to see how different companies are 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 dealing with that. Um, I think we're still shaking out. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and and will for a long time. And mm-hmm. and you know some of your previous appearances with us, Theo, uh, your um, perspective around making sure we no generation is left behind, right? Because um, we have we have uh, generational preferences within gen- uh, gener- any generation. You've got individual preferences and really that's where we're kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier kevin when it comes to a smart technology strategy really what are the objectives and can we bring that down when when you think of a workforce can we bring that down to an individual level so that everyone can have this unique success and experiences they need to to um to do the best work for the organization and to and to be you know personally successful so more to come on that no easy answers here today but i want to talk about theo fintech now, you are sharing in the green room. We got to kill that word. But before we do that, before we officially make that a, a happen, we hit it with the gavel and all. Um, just define that. I mean, we have we've got the smartest audience in the world, but just for the handful of folks out there that maybe hadn't spent time, you know, define what we're talking about when it comes to fintech and share some ob- observations there. But that's precisely the problem. How do we define mm. fintech, right? And and I think that that's why more and more I feel like. We don't even know how to define it. You ask, you know, 15 people, they could come up with four or five different definitions. So in the very, very basic level, fintech is financial technology, which is you're combining financial and technology. You have businesses that use technology to do what they do and do what they do better. Now, here's the thing. Can you find one company that is not using technology to do what they do? Okay. I mean, that 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 makes no sense um, unless you're still, I don't know, writing a check and giving it to a pigeon to deliver it somewhere. <laughs> you are going to be using technology and to automate some part of your financial services and your process. So it, in that context, FinTech has lost the meaning mm. because originally when, when the ecosystem started, a lot of this is about, you know, new innovation that, you know, bringing technology and finance together, new ways of doing things. We had, you know, the PayPal's of the world at that time. Right, right. We had the, you know, how about we do, you know, mobile banking, all of these new new things. But it, it's not really new anymore. I mean, PayPal, mm. um, last count, they processed $1.4 trillion in gross payment last wow. year. Wow. That, that's not the startup. Mm. That, that's right. Or, or Chime, right? Chime is huge right now or into it, Kevin to your uh, example earlier. Right, into it. They're not a startup anymore. So where do you cut off? Do you cut off by how long they've been around? Do you cut off by volume of business? Do you cut off by their market share? It it, it gets to the point where, well, you know, if it doesn't really mean anything, if you ask a lot of people Mm. means different things, then why are we keeping that word around? Mm. Right, right, exactly. Kevin, your response to that. So we we, uh, always... We always want to jump to the new thing, um, and uh, it's a trend. Um, but 
many people don't take the time to really understand the trend. And, and, and that lends to a lot of misunderstanding um, and misuse. And I, and I think that's one of the issues that we have with technology. Uh, many people when cloud computing start, you know, they, they envision a big cloud in the sky where you plugged into. <laughs> you know, like, no, no, it's just data centers. <laughs> but, but people don't really um, take the time to understand and, and learn. I mean, everyone's not a technologist, but if it means so much, it affects your life so much, you really need to understand what you're doing. And, and mm. financial services is one of the things that affects everyone's life. So, you know, Theo, you're, you're right. Um, maybe people are misusing fintech they because they don't really understand how technology can directly affect your finances. They just want to jump on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really wish we had some of these uh, latest and greatest uh, financial technology platforms when I was in the Air Force, Kevin, because mm-hmm. I don't know about you, my paycheck, my LES was never right. Kevin. <laughs> I lived right. in those offices. Um, that, that, that aside, w- one final thought here, um, you know, uh, for the portion and, and Theo, you're, you're very well said for the portion of the word fintech that talks about successfully onboarding suppliers and making sure they get paid or team members for that matter, making sure they get paid. You know, that is so relevant uh, in uh, global supply chain space. And I tell you, I don't know about y'all, Theo and Kevin, We've we've coined a new word here called procurement purgatory from some of the platforms <laughs> that is not um, right. That's not efficient and easy to use and doesn't you know for that UX that user experience, it's not quite there. So maybe they need part of that twenty billion to Intuit uh, invested in theirs, Kevin. I don't know, but <laughs> Theo, uh, before I talk about the book, um, your final word on uh, where where the space I'll just call it the space is headed. The space is heading in a lot of interesting directions. Um, there has been a lot of talk about, oh my God, the sky's falling and people are not mm. investing in fintechs anymore because everyone is running to AI. Um, but I, I think I always like to look back at what exactly are we doing? Forget the whole mm. funding, forget you know all the other hype and distractions out there. Right. Why do we exist and what are we doing? Right. Mm. We exist to solve problems. What are the problems we're trying to solve? Give you an easy one. The credit card debt for Americans hit a record one trillion dollars. That is not a record that we want to be boasting about, but here we are. So what is our industry's responsibility to try to help consumers out who are so indebted? Is it responsible to go create more payment methods such as buy now, pay later so we can get them in debt further? Or should we look at how can we help people move money more efficiently, to your point, get people paid faster and help them understand their financial situation better so that they can actually get to a more secure path? Perhaps that. And then, you know, with that, then there's the whole um, discussion about what is the role of big technology companies in the world of embedded finance. I'll give you an example. Apple. I love Apple. I'm a big Apple fan. Um, and so I have the Apple credit card when it was launched. I have iPhones, obviously, and Mac and all of that. And I signed up for Apple savings accounts when it came out literally the same day. Mm. It was so fast. It was so easy. It was so seamless. But what was incredible wasn't about the onboarding experience. You know, we kind of take it for granted. It needs to be quick and easy. What right. was fascinating was how it can help you save without you even thinking about it. My previous example that I love was Acorns. I've used Acorns as an example for a long time. You set it, forget it, and you're safe. With Apple Savings, what it does is it takes all of the um, the money that you have from, you know, the 1%, 2%, and what have you, uh, from using your card and it sweeps it into the savings account and mm. you get four and a half percent. And I didn't even notice until like last week when I looked, I'm like, oh, I have $400 here. Now that is cool, mm. especially for people who are cash trapped. A little, everything yeah. a little bit helps $5, sure. $10. So why are not, why are banks not doing that? And is Apple a FinTech? I don't know. Mm. Well, I have a, I have a, 
question for okay. you about about fintech. Uh, Theo, maybe answer me. Uh, why is it that fintech will let the bank take my money like 30 seconds after I pass something? But when I'm trying to get my pay or get paid, it takes five days, no, work days, five work days. But why doesn't fintech work on both sides oh. of this? It is, it is a uniquely American problem. Yeah. <laughs> we all know the that, answer. That's, that's, that's one of the issues. I mean, right. we, we all know have the answer. a balance. Uh, if we're going to use fintech, it has to help everyone. Right. It's That's not right. because of fintech, but it's a much longer conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. We're going to have to have you back, Theo. This hour has gone way too fast. But I want to talk about, um, so on the heels of your successful book that we all loved and enjoyed, Beyond Good, which I've got a couple copies, I think, back behind me, comes this next book, The Metaverse Economy. Now, really quick, because our time is uh, is waning, but I want to read this this quote. I love, love the book so far. I'm about halfway through it. Uh, from Nelson Mandela, you've got at the beginning of chapter four, says, uh, quote, we often talk about the globalization of our world, referring to our world as a global village. But too often, those descriptions refer solely to the free movement of goods and capital across the traditional barriers of national boundaries. Not often enough do we emphasize a globalization of responsibility, end quote. Love that from Mr. Mandela. Theo, what's your why behind this book and where can folks get it? So I wrote this book with my co-author, Arun, who's based in the UK. He's been the last two plus years in the metaverse. And uh, real quick, the story was we met in London uh, mm. shortly after the world quote unquote reopened after COVID and I asked him what he was doing. He told me what he was doing. And I'm like, yeah, huh, funny. Um, I was a non-believer and I thought it was hype. It was a lot of hype. And then next thing you know, I started looking into it and he had such a wealth of knowledge on how and what the metaverse is. And I told him, I said, you know, we need to put this in a book. And so the book is about what is the metaverse? What are the building blocks? And then mm. it's about, you know, my perception of what it needs to be and what it can do for community. Because for me, technology is fun, but for tech to be adopted and for tech to be worthwhile, it needs to serve a purpose. And so yeah. every time when I see something, my ask will be why? What does it do? And why do we want to do it? Why do we want to spend time on it? And what would be interesting, what I always see is the metaverse as the hype exists is not going to be how it is going to be. I think is going to create a very interesting and different future, but it will take time. We're talking about eight, 10 years plus. Mm. It will take people. It take a lot of different people. And the one biggest reason why I want to write the book and put it out there is because I want to have more people involved in the book. I want to include more voices from different corners of the world in the book. And so right. I spent a lot of time digging into who else is doing interesting things other than people in our backyard in the United States. What are other countries right. doing? Right. What are other people doing? What are the women doing? Um, and I'll end it with this. Do not ever come to me and tell me that there are no women in Web3. Mm. And that is precisely why I wrote the book. Don't do it. Wow. Uh, she says, wow. don't do it. You better <laughs> not do it. And I've got a, I've got a couple images here. I think this is from the first book signing. Yeah. I love that. I think I saw this across social. Of course, you can get the metaverse economy probably wherever you get books from. Uh, I found it uh, on Amazon. You got uh, local bookstores. You name it, uh, Theo. And you know what? Uh, Kevin, she, uh, you and her both. I'm glad y'all have agents so I can stay in touch with you both. Um, <laughs> Theo, that first book signing was DC. She's headed to New York next. And then she's got six more book signings coming up. So wow. goodness gracious. Um, get Theo, my signed copy before they run out. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> we uh, or you might be reading the metaverse person. version. Yes, uh, let's do that. <laughs> Theo, last question for you. And then Kevin, I'll make sure folks know how to connect with you as well. How can folks connect with you? Other than the Metaverse Economy and the One Vision podcast, how can folks connect with you? So find me on LinkedIn. That's why I spend most of my time nowadays on threats or metaverseeconomybook.com or beyondgoodbook.com. Either one. Awesome. It's just Thank that you. easy. Great to have you here, Theo, but don't go anywhere just yet. 
Uh, we're going to have to have y'all both back. But Kevin, man, Digital Transformers continues to um, do well. Uh, yes. And we get a lot of feedback. This, was, I think, was the latest episode uh, with Ramiro Fernandez. So tell us, how can folks connect with uh, with all the cool things you're doing at Digital Transformers and beyond? Yes, our most recent was an episode with uh, um, SAP and PIM Brands. I mean, you probably, who is PIM Brands? Well, if you ever have the uh, uh, gummies or the um, uh, fruit rolls, that's PIM okay. Brands. Um, and it's a really uh, fascinating discussion about um, how brands have to leverage technology in order to improve their services uh, to their customer. And uh, so, but you can always catch me on Digital Transformers um, uh, or here, right here on uh, the uh, the Buzz second week and uh, on, on LinkedIn or on Twitter or X or whatever. Uh, <laughs> whatever Kevin, that's called these days. <laughs> Kevin underscore Jackson. Well, one last thought, uh, and then we're up against time. We're, we're going to sign off, but I, I'll just tell y'all, the power of digital relationships. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I first met both Theo and Kevin first on X, which was formerly Twitter. And from there, as we connected and I uh, really got to know their perspective and expertise, man, we've all, we've collaborated a number of different ways. So folks, whatever you do, make sure you connect with Theodore Lau and Kevin L. Jackson are doing very special things in industry far beyond uh, books and podcasts, but they're changing the world. And that's the name of the game, folks. That's the name of the game. So thanks for everyone for, for showing out here today. Really appreciate it. I know we couldn't hit everybody's comment. Big thanks to Catherine and Amanda behind the scenes helping to make today happen. Of course, big thanks to Theo and Kevin. But folks, here's our calling today on this day, more than any other day, perhaps, right? First off, never forget. But secondly, now's the time to help out your neighbor, right? Let's remember all of those over the last 22 years that uh, have, have had tremendous loss and grief and you name it, let's honor them by helping a neighbor. There's no thing too small, too big you can do. It's all about deeds, not words. And on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.